Oh, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Dev Party. I am Eric from All Through a Lens, and over there is Vanya. Vanya, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Just poured out my pre-soak. Looks like Listerine or Scope. <laughs> what, uh, what are you developing? What looks like Scope? Why don't you guess? I would think it's Fomapan at that point. Yes, it is. Ah, nice. <laughs> what are you? Well, I am developing Ultrafine 400, shot at 400. Oh, that's weird. You've Isn't been pushing it? that a lot. I have been pushing it to 16, and I love it at 16, but I'm going to love it at 400 as well. So for folks who don't know, this is Dev Party. We develop and talk about shit while we're developing. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to take uh, some questions from listeners. They've uh, written in, and we have the questions all set up. But first, we have some tote bags, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do. We have, uh, we're doing pre-orders for tote bags. They're 15 inches by 16 inches, squarish. And they have our wonderful logo on it. That's a ripoff of two punk rock seven inches. You guys can guess which ones they are. Like we have them for 13 bucks, and the link is in the show notes and on Instagram all of that wonderful stuff. So do you want to field a question? Yes. Okay. Let's go with a first question from the film Sweats. Have you tried C41 stand development at room temp? He says it works nicely for slow color films. Vanya, have you tried that? No, but I think I'll try that next time. Oh, didn't I just show you the that weird ectochrome stuff that's probably bad? Okay. I took a picture of it and sent it to you. Do you remember? I was like, what do you oh. think of this stuff? Yes, and I just shook my head and sadly <laughs> a tear rolled down my cheek. Like, it, nothing is going to happen, but maybe I'll shoot it anyways and stand develop it. Why not? Why not? <laughs> How about you? Have you stand? I do a lot of stand. Not as much as I used to, but I do a lot of stand, but never in color. I've never done that in yeah. color. Yeah. I like stand developing yeah. now in black and white, but uh, yeah, I've never done it in color. No, I'm very happy with the way my color looks. So there's not a lot of incentive to try new things other than <laughs> guess to try them. But I've already done that and I found something well, I liked. Dev party. That's a good enough reason. It is a good enough reason. You are correct. Let's see, next one from All in Grain. Do you remember your first experiences developing film? He is uh, planning on developing his first role soon. And do we have any general advice or tips? Okay, well, yeah, I do remember when I first started developing. I don't remember my first actual role, but it was in high school. Oh, cool. Um, and it was, I remember bulk, bulk loading it out of rolls of the, I guess, Arista Edu at the time or something. Probably, yeah. Of probably. that sort. And I shot it in my mom's Minolta. Oh, taxi. nice. Kind of and a famous are... camera around these parts. I know. Yeah, so I do remember it. I think the best advice, I would say, try to develop as good as you did the first time. <laughs> well, okay, this is his first time. Yes. So, is that good advice? Yes, because I feel like when you, you're you developing your first role, you're right. super hyper-vigilant. You're okay. reading directions, you're checking times, you're making sure that you follow all the steps. Of course. So just continue to do what you will do the first time. <laughs> So your advice for the first time is keep on doing what you did the first time. Yeah. Great. Um, hope that's helpful. My first experience developing was actually color film because it made more sense to me. 
um, black and white was too much, too many variables. And I didn't quite get it, but the C41 process was super simple. Even though there were more steps, it was all laid out. I could all figure it out in my head. Black and white was kind of like, what is any of this stuff? I often feel like that still, and not just with film developing. Do you remember what role it was? What color film it was? It was Portra 400 in a Holga. In a Holga. In a Holga. Wow. Yeah. So um, frivolous with your Portra. Frivolous. They, everybody was like, shoot Portra 400. It's the easiest film to not fuck up. And oh, really? I was like, oh, <laughs> I will prove you wrong. And uh, I didn't, actually. It, it, it turned out okay, some of it. Oh, I want to see that. I will. I'll post a photo. One, yeah. one single solitary photo for my first role. I so, will post a high school photo. Ooh. How about that? Wow. It's going to be wow. something stupid and ridiculous, I'm sure, but... Decades ago. <laughs> Calm down. Oh, <laughs> uh, and another is, uh, and I can't pronounce their Instagram handle. Uh, they wonder which scanners we have. Hmm. I have a V800 Epson. What do you have? I followed in your footsteps and got one too. Wow, I'm an influencer. You are. I honestly, my, the Canon scanner that I had, CanoScan 9000F or whatever. Sure. um, I'm giving to my friend and I kind of regret that decision because it's a good scanner. (laughs) It's easy to use. The scanner I have now obviously can scan a lot bigger and I can scan four by five. And that's the reason why I got it. It's just like the whole flatbed you can, you know, scan on. So that was important yeah. to me. Okay. So I guess if you're just going to be scanning 35 millimeter, maybe getting something a little bit cheaper would be a better choice. Yeah, I had someone asked me today about their scanner, and I was like, if you're only if you're not going to do large format, just get the cheapest thing you can get. Yeah. And I think you'll probably be okay and probably happy with what you're getting. I think I'm still kind of going through the learning curve of you know I've scanned in a certain way for so long, and now I'm have to kind of relearn it all. Oh yeah. I have to pour my developer out. Ooh, so do I. Are you using a water stop or an acid stop? Water. Ooh, I'm, I'm going with the acid stop. <laughs> Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Maybe if it was a shorter developing time, I would do an acid stop, but water's going to be just fine for me. I've been doing it lately because it's quicker. All right, well, All right. the next question comes from a listener. I don't remember who. I'm really good at this. How do you personally shoot and develop expired film in contrast to fresh film? Do you overexpose it? Do you stand develop it? Do you pull it? What do you do? Um, well, I kind of took some important things that you said, and it's maybe not necessarily true, but basically for every decade, you drop the ISO down. It's such a loose rule of thumb, and people get really fucking bent out of shape about it (laughs) so i'm not even gonna i mean it's a general rule of thumb nobody is saying a decade equals a stop nobody's saying that but my god that doesn't stop people from moaning about it all the fucking time i'm not talking about emulsive but i'm totally talking about emulsive what's the other option the other option is use it as a rule of thumb sometimes it's close sometimes it's not and yeah, if it's if you can stand develop it, uh, HC one ten is a great developer for old ass film because it cuts through fogging. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I think it does. I've I've done some 
very unscientific tests, and it, it does seem to. Okay. That's good to know. So yeah, I guess that's basically like the only rule that I follow. Also, load and subdued light, <laughs> I guess would be another one. I remember that guy. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. He just disappeared. What an asshole. Okay, so... What about you? What about me? Um... I mean, I just, yeah, I, I don't I do not do much differently. I don't shoot at box speed. Some people swear by box speed, which is silly. Sometimes box speed works, sometimes it doesn't. The, the older it is, the less likely it'll work at box speed. So I don't know, I knock off a stop or two here and there. If I have like a big ass roll of it, I will do a test roll. And how I do mm-hmm. that is I shoot at a bunch of different ISOs that are kind of around where I think it will be, and then stand develop it, pick the best one, and you're done. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it just fucking works. Honestly, a good option is getting on Flickr or getting on Instagram and going like, hey, like, you know, searching the film that you have and kind of talk to other people and how what they've experienced. I think yes. that's one of the great things about some of the platforms is you can have a conversation with people and kind of see what other people have done. And yeah. That's cool, too. Nothing is more frustrating when you find like a fairly rare film and you search on Flickr, and you see somebody who has shot it, and who has developed it, and they tell you the developer, but they don't tell you the formula that they used. <laughs> just like, the fuck is that about? Why even bother? It's a secret. Like, oh, I developed this weird Tasma film in, in Rodinol, but I'm not going to tell you the formula because fucking I'm an asshole. <laughs> All right, next question. I am saucy. Yeah, I know, you are. Um, and this is another sassy one. Oh, the previous question was from Cole.camera. The next question comes from Jellygeist, and we heard from him in the last episode. Yes. Uh, he says that someone on Fotrio, I'm not sure what that is, I'm assuming some message board type situation, someone told him that Blix, and that's the combination and color processing of Bleach and Fixer together, he says, this person says that it isn't as archival as using a separate bleach and a separate fixer. He asks us, is that true? Well, I guess the short answer is I don't know. And the long answer is that motherfucker doesn't know either. So, yeah. I mean, I guess I, you could. How, how would you do that? How would you test the archival properties of this? You would have to use Blix on one set of one, one, one emulsion and then use bleach and fixer on another emulsion, the exact same emulsion from the exact same blot, get all fucking sciency about it and then put them somewhere for, I don't know, an extended period of time and then do a scan again and see which one is held up better. So we can answer this question in 10 years. In 10, like, maybe 20 years. Yeah. This is a question I could see myself asking, um, this guy, I think his name's, I, I know him as Hippie Dave. He like works at a photo store here in the South Bay. I can see okay. us having a conversation about this and him kind of just looking at me like, I mean, it's archival enough. <laughs> I, can, I can totally see people saying this and believing it, but actually doing the science to back up these claims, because what's the phrase? Extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. This is a pretty extraordinary claim, not the grand scheme of things, of course, but for photography, it's a pretty extraordinary claim. So bring the proof. This is a laboratory. Make with the science, Einstein. So um, the next question, uh, let's see, comes from Ancillary Adams, which is an awesome name. Every time I see him messaging me or something, I'm like, ah, I love this name. Great name. What is the worst film you've ever developed? 
Um, probably that one roll uh, that Matt Matt sent me, like, a 100-foot roll of color film. It was supposed to have Remjet on it. And I remember going through all the process and then, you know, doing the baking soda uh, wash. And showing you, like, dude, nothing's coming out. The Remjet's yeah. not coming out. And I, like, opened it up and I was looking and I was like, I don't even think there's any... This is... <laughs> there's not even any emulsion on this. <laughs> and it was, like, so frustrating because I was just so confused what was happening. <laughs> he ended up giving me a leader, like, roll. <laughs> a 100-foot leader roll, which kind of sucked, obviously. I was excited about the color film. But it was just something that he had found. And he was like, hey, if you want it, I'll send it to you. I said yes. And I ended up actually pulling it out. And it was, I think, to test color yeah because there's like images on it from a motion picture camera yes okay. i think that was probably my most annoying role because i didn't get anything and i was so like scratching my head confused like what's happening here why is it all the black stuff coming out of <laughs> out of my tank <laughs> oh because there was no emulsion on it to begin with i don't know if you can hear but I got a metal tank. I've been developing with like uh, these metal tanks. I've never been yeah. good about loading the film on the reels with these okay. tanks. They drive me absolutely insane. And so that's why I always like go back to the plastic and then I end up like the plastic reels and tanks, they just, they leak and they just don't last very long. And honestly, oh, another tip for the guy, try to start developing with metal and don't even and stay away from the plastics. Do you really think so? Or stainless steel? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I mean, I like. I mean, I use mostly stainless. It's really rare that I use plastic. Okay. But I think for a lot of people, plastic is easier to load. Yes. And I think I like it better for color sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because it's hot too. So. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just think that if if I could relearn and just have done stainless it would have made it easier but you actually helped a lot that sounds fishy i know right most of the the stainless steel reels have the little clip on the inside and they tell you to like clip your film in there and then start yes. wrapping it and yes. that's exactly where i've been having my problem because i would clip it and i would try to make sure it was as straight as possible but it always ended up crooked and i would get a bunch of like crease marks in my film because i wasn't loading it correctly a couple couple rolls ago I loaded 35 and you're like, oh yeah, I don't even use that clip. I just like wrap it. So I've been doing that yeah. and I've been having a lot of success. I haven't had any issues. It's just been so much easier to not use the clip. So just start it without it and wrap it and I'm done. Yeah. How about that's for 35? How about 120? Same. Did the same thing. So this nice. is 120 I've... and it's been, it's been great. I will say I will miss doing my film flowers though. Oh yeah, that's true. So, I guess you could take a picture looking down into the tank, though, if you wanted to. Yeah, I could. Did you answer the last one? Worst film I ever developed? So, all right, story time. I went to Kodachrome State Park in Utah, which is a beautiful place. And I was determined to use Kodachrome at Kodachrome. Of course, you can't develop Kodachrome in color, but you can develop it in black and white. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to shoot Kodachrome at Kodachrome and develop it in black and white and just see whatever. So when we got there, the Kodachrome basin was under this big thick clouds. And so the, the vibrancy wasn't there, but I was shooting black and white anyway. So it, it really didn't matter for that. So I shot 
two rolls of Kodachrome. What camera did you use? Oh god, I don't even remember. It was just a blur. It was just, I was just so excited to be shooting Kodachrome at Kodachrome. And it was probably like a like a Ricoh or, or, or something. It was a SLR. Okay. And I was really, really excited. And I brought it home. This was after a long trip. Brought it home. And I I threw it in the tank. And I was really... I think I just did a stand develop. Probably HC-110 stand. And I pulled it out. Nothing. Oh, no. Absolutely nothing. Both rolls completely blank. The, whatever photosensitivity had at once been in that film was no longer present. And it was a bummer. Did you I drop the ISO f- down? <laughs> I did. Yeah, no, I was shooting. The, I knew I was shooting at like six or something. I knew that I had to shoot it low because I was. I think Kodachrome was like twenty-five ISO or something. And so I knew I had to shoot it really low, and I did. That was kind of a heartbreaker for me. Yeah. I was really kind of bummed. You know, really kind of bummed. So, do you have photos yet? I was just about to pull it out. I was waiting for your story to finish. Well, thank you. That's very nice. Here I am. With my negatives, I am going to pull them out of the reel. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, how funny. Like, haha funny? It's from my Pentax 645. I thought it was from my Mamiya, but it's not. (laughs) I did not take any notes on this roll. I'm surprised. I know. (laughs) So... They look uh, delicious. Yeah, they look very well exposed. Okay. It's so funny. I, I shot this roll when I was testing the slow meow. So there's a yeah. couple shots that I shot with the Canon oh, with the slow ma- yeah. meow. And then I shot it with this too. So oh, I would cool. like to see what the difference between those two will. I like doing that sometimes. You could see the difference. I wonder if future Vanya knows the difference already. We should go check. Hi, future Vanya here. So I just finished scanning my images from my 645. So 120 format of Fomapan 400. And so far, I am quite pleased with what I got. I will say that I feel like I haven't even cracked the surface of this film. I shot this at box speed and I'm really looking forward to pushing and pulling this film. I feel like this film has so much more potential and I look forward to tapping into that a little bit more. I am doing a side-by-side comparison of the Tasma 200, our slow meow, and my Fomapan picture I took. It's the same exact scene, and I will say that I really like the sky in the Fomapan much more. And honestly, the detail and grain is much better. I still really like the Tasma as well, but it's really, really interesting to see uh, the difference between the two films side by side. Foma has really beautiful grain, fine grain, but just enough for me to be happy with. And the slow meow doesn't have any grain (laughs) that I can see. I kind of want to see if I can squeeze some grain out of that film a little bit more. Anyways, I have a bulk roll of Fomapan 400 35mm that I planned on shooting mostly in the water and I already have made plans to push it as far as it will go and pull it 
just to see what kind of different results I get from the 400 box speed. So I look forward to doing that and probably will be developing them on a dev party at some point. All right, well, until then, bye. Well, thank you, future Vanya. <laughs> Very informative, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I'm taking my film out. I shot this in the Polaroid with the 120 back. It's kind of another go at it. Uh, it's a long story. He made a back for it, a uh, new back for it. The other one had lots of light leaks. This one has none. Oddly enough, the images seem to be a little bit off the film, which is curious and could be user error on my part and more than likely is. So um, they are a little thin, but that could that's probably developing. That's definitely not the camera. And okay. you did do a different dilution today, right? I did, yeah. And I definitely missed a shot or something. Something is definitely not right here, but that could also be me. Yeah. What was your dilution? Oh, I used dilution H, which is half of what I normally do. And that seemed a little slow. Like it should be a little longer. So you're pretty happy with it, but I would like to hear from future Eric and see what he thinks about these negatives after they've been scanned. Hey, okay, well, yeah, look, I'm a little disappointed in myself here. My my brain flips things around, so when shooting 400 speed film in this Polaroid, uh, you have to set it to 300 ISO and turn the lighter, darker knob to lighter, I guess. I turned it to darker, I don't know, maybe I have that... Uh, flipped around. And then I shot uh, on a very dismal day. Everything that I developed here looks like it was about three stops underexposed. It's murky and lost. And murky and lost. I mean, you know the feeling. <laughs> Welcome to winters in Seattle. Uh, because everything was underexposed, the light coming in from the red window on the back showed up in a few shots. If it were properly exposed, this likely wouldn't have happened. First, I think I need to add another layer of red film to the window. I'm pretty sure I have some at work. It's this, you use this stuff, but they used to use it in screen printing. Uh, another option is that I could shoot only orthochromatic film. It's not red sensitive at all. And, and that's kind of tempting, but I'm going to have to pass since it's kind of a little saltier, pricier. Second, I really need to stop my brain from doing this. Uh, I'll confuse left and right or north and south when I'm giving directions. And apparently I confuse lighter and darker, which sort of sucks. Um, with this, I think of the negatives, um, when I'm trying to figure this out, I mean, the negatives will be darker if I set the camera to lighter, right? I should be thinking of the image and I don't. Uh, shooting 400 ISO film at 300 ISO means I need to lighten it up a bit, right? No shit. Okay, I don't know if that's, that's right. It could be, oh, see what I mean? I really, I really fucking hate this. I think I have it backwards and I can't remember where I had it backwards or even what I just said. So if so, I don't know. I have no idea what happened here. Um, if I shot it at 300, it would be lighter, not darker. So maybe I set it to too much darker or maybe I just fucked up development. I need a chart. I'll share a few of the shots, but mostly just fuck this roll. So back to you, present Fanya and Eric. Back to you. And thank you, future Eric. I just stepped in a bunch of water, and I am in socks, so I have a wet sock on my foot now. Oh, that's awesome. I hate it. <laughs> it's almost as bad as wet sleeves from when you're washing dishes. You get, like, the water on your sleeve, and you're like, fuck, what do I do now? Life Ugh. is ruined. <laughs> 
So, speaking of life being ruined, we have one question left. Okay. And that is from Jamie M. Photo. The question is, slow meow zine? Ooh. (gasps) Ooh. Yes. Absolutely. We should do a kind of like a community slow meow zine. I would agree. With like all all the people that got slow meow, um who would like to join in and we can make a zine with just everybody's images yeah. that gotten from that batch. I think We're that sometimes <laughs> when I know that like you know, like for instance this this film, that was the thousand foot roll and then that's it. It's not that's gonna it. come back. No. Unless <laughs> there we find is, another thousand foot roll somewhere. Yeah. Which would be great, but it's probably still not gonna be the same. It'll be it won't be exactly the same. Yeah, it won't be. It could be a different ISO. Oh. Have a different look to it. Could have a different fogging. You know, lots what of different you, things could happen. What do you think about the slow meow zine? You know, idea? I love it. I have always wanted to do like a community zine, and just have never gotten around to it. Um, I don't think either of us, um, prior to this question, I don't think either of us really thought about that. I know we kicked around an idea like a while ago about doing something similar to this. But specifically with Slow Meow, I don't think we talked about that. And I love it. I love it. Also, it it allows me to use the the Juniper (laughs) logo again. True. So I'm all for it. Where is Juniper, by the way? Oh, she's like all curled up on a bed, all comfy, because it's Friday night. And she's just like, no thanks. (laughs) We record these on Friday nights because that's our social life. Yes. Um, okay, I guess that's all the questions. I guess stay tuned for uh, more information about this slow meow zine that's apparently happening. We will start figuring this out and then start announcing things. Like I said, we, we just learned that we're doing this kind of like now. Yeah, let's definitely talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, let's. Let's talk about this. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to Dev Party. We'll probably post some of the pictures, hopefully. Um, we will post a terrible. lot of the pictures. <laughs> and stay tuned for our next episode. We'll, we'll discuss a little bit about Girl Scout and Girl Scout camera badges while eating Girl Scout cookies. Yes. So uh, grab a bunch of Girl Scout cookies. I recommend the Thin Mints, of course. Oh, yeah. What are your favorite Girl Scout cookies? Um, I love those ones in the Samoas. Mm, oh, yeah. Samoas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. You really can't go wrong. And you know what? You're supporting a great cause. So go out and support your Girl Scouts because, I mean, why the hell not? So we're going to be doing that, <laughs> dipping into like the history of Girl Scouts and photography from like literally 100 years ago. And we'll also have Kate Miller-Wilson on. You may know her photography. She's doing a lot of the static electricity stuff lately. Um, We're talking to her about that and a bunch of other stuff, hopefully. So stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a good week, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.